You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church. This is Kyle Worley. I'm joined by my co-hosts Jen Wilkin and JT English. Hey, guys. Hey, dude. Hey, Kyle. Hi, dude. Thank you for that. Hey, hey, just so you guys know, we have a big argument coming up in this in this uh-huh. conversation, and I'm going to win. It is a representative no. sample of yeah, what life yeah, is you like. Prejudiced listener at this now. Hey, Get you ready, know, buckle it up. It was funny. I was I was looking at some of the reviews on iTunes of the podcast, and there so are two that I love. No, no, no. I go there because people will be honest about stuff, and I'm like, okay, how can we get better? There are two things I loved about it. One, one person called it the healthy and delicious green drink of podcasts. <laughs> Hats off to you, uh, Handle Whiter Than Snow. Uh, and then Handle Green Ribbon Warrior said, I'm only on episode 24, but the guys, JT and Kyle, speak way too fast, and it's sometimes hard to even understand them in each episode. Hopefully they learn to slow down a smidge and future episodes. Thank so, you. thank Appreciate you for that, that coaching point, Green Vote Ribbon Warrior. Grateful for you. Green Ribbon Warrior. Was that you, Jen? What? That's, yeah, that, that, that's the Jen's, Jen's handle. I love that. Well, on today's episode, we're in the Apostles' Creed asking, who is the Holy Spirit? We hope you enjoy the discussion. Hey, y'all listening to any good music right now? I'm going to a concert tonight. I'm going to like three concerts in the next couple of months. I'm going to a concert as well. Who are you going to see tonight? I'm going to see Mumford. Mumford and Sons. Okay. Well, he's bringing his sons with him. <laughs> why do they call? Why is it called that? I don't There's know. no sons involved. I don't know. I don't know, but I do like the name. I've always been. I've always loved that name, mm-hmm. Mumford and Sons. Okay, mm-hmm. so you're going to see Mumford and Sons. Yeah, tonight. I'll be wearing earplugs. Yeah, well, of course. Do you wear them? You go to you go to concerts a lot. You wear I earplugs. I wear them at the Village Church. <laughs> She's <Sometimes>. old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to keep what hearing I have. <laughs> Is that really so that thing? I can enjoy <laughs> continuing conversations with you guys. Oh, that's sweet. Because nothing makes me feel more worried than thinking that I'm missing half of what you are saying across the table. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, well, you are. Uh, <laughs> we, 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 we exchange a lot of side comments yeah. just in whispers. Um, yeah, I'm going to see tonight Joseph. They're a trio. That's ironic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's three women. So um, okay, what's up with the way people are naming bands? Mumford, who has no sons, apparently has mm-hmm. them, and Joseph, and Joseph, who who's singular, three women. has three. Uh-huh. It's like Trinitarianism. Oh well, Except yeah, that's ladies. great. Let's flush it out a little <laughs> yeah. more. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to see. I'm going to see Joseph, and then in November, I'm going to see this rapper that I like, Toby Ingwe. Tobe mm-hmm. Ingwe, mm-hmm. yeah, Houston guy uh, at the uh, Gas Monkey. Grill? Have you been gas monkey before, Jen? No, but I've heard of it because uh-huh. it was like on the Food Network or something. It right? was. They did. They had like some sort. I've, I don't. Yeah. I've never watched the show, but they do concerts there. Yeah, it's so, cool. And then I'm going. I'm taking one of our elders to go see Chance the Rapper in January at the American Airlines Center. Oh, because he's a Christian. No, just because. <laughs> just because this uh, this guy is like the least likely Chance the Rapper fan. All right. So we're going. Okay. What kind of music do you listen to right now, JT? You listen to anything good? I'm really not. I feel like I hate this question because I feel like I wish I could answer this question better. Okay. I just listen to stuff I've like always listened to. I Nothing don't really that. know how to find new stuff. Paul Simon. Paul mm-hmm. Simon. <laughs> I, love Paul, I love Paul Simon. That's new. Okay. All right. how, where do you guys find new music? Um, Kyle. <laughs> I write blogs that Jen <laughs> says no to. <laughs> and she's like, oh, let me look at these people. That's um, how I found Hoobastank or whatever the name of Who was that? Hosier. <laughs> That's a band. <laughs> it was a band. Yeah. Yes, they were. They had a song called The Reason, which was yeah. their big hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any Hoobastank fans out there, hashtag Knowing Faith Podcast <laughs> at Jen Wilkin. 
Hoobastank. Um, yes. Well, here we are. Crickleback is I, always going to be my favorite uh-huh, band. Of course. Of course. Mm-hmm. But the, Ryan in the production bay has told us that Crickleback is a non-starter. <laughs> She's given us... Ryan is our really our cultural assessor of what's cool and what's in. And uh, she's often shaking her head at us. Yeah. It, Ryan makes me feel like I'm the least cool person. Mm. I like that Ryan makes you feel old. That makes she's me feel happy. She's eating avocado toast right now. Yeah, she's just with a little bit of salt and pepper. All right. What are we talking about today? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so were we recording? Yeah, we were the whole time. Okay. Um, all right. We're talking about the Apostles' Creed. <laughs> Thanks, Jen, for the reminder. Yeah, no probs. Um, uh, we're talking about the Apostles' Creed. So uh, does somebody want to read the Creed? I read it last time. I can read it again. JT, why don't you read the Creed? Here you go. I'm going to read it. I believe in God, the Father Almighty creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. 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 So today we're going to uh, focus on, I believe in the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Who is the Holy Spirit? I felt like that was asking a question on a game show. Who is the Holy Spirit? Answering a question on one game show. Oh, yes. Well done. Yeah. I feel like JT should be the first to speak on this. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. I'm, I, this is important. Uh, the Holy Spirit can be often seen as subordinate in some way to the Father and the Son, and the Christian tradition has militantly fought against that. The Holy Spirit is Lord and God. He's there at the beginning of creation. He's there at the end and the consummation of all things and is breathing out and acting on every single page of Scripture. The Holy Spirit is never absent. He's always present. He is God himself. He's worthy of our adoration, our love, our obedience, our respect, our worship. Uh, he is God. He's no less God than the Father, and he's no less God than, than, than the Son. Uh, he is, and one example would be when Ananias and Sapphira uh, come and lie at the feet of the apostles. Mm-hmm. And the text, I'll just flip to it real quick, Acts chapter 5 says, uh, so they've they've gone and sold some property. They've come and they're supposed to bring all of the proceeds and lay it at the feet of the apostles and they hold a little bit back for themselves. And the text says this, you have not lied to man, but God. And right above that it says, because you lied to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So the Holy Spirit is God. He's not some kind of force that's important to talk about. He's not an it. it he's a he. He's personal. He's intimate. Um, he is... Uh, I guess we, I don't want to talk much about what he does because we're probably going to get to that in a minute. I think the most important thing for Christians to, to realize is that we worship not just the Father, not just the Son, and not just the Spirit. We worship the God who is Father, who is Son, and who is Spirit. Mm-hmm. Three in one. Yep. So uh, the Holy Spirit is not just a force or just a presence. He's not impersonal. I think that's the way we talk about it a mm-hmm. lot, is he's not like a, a an object. He's mm-hmm. a he. But to say that he's personal is not to say that he's embodied. That's right. He's, Holy, not, he's not embodied. The Holy Spirit's not embodied. So how do you, so is God the Father omnipresent, God the Son omnipresent, or is just God the Spirit omnipresent? God is omnipresent. Mm, see, this is where JT really just, the rest of us all just yeah. sit and hold very still. <laughs> 
No, yeah, God is omnipresent, which means that the Father, Son, and Spirit are all omnipresent. They're all omniscient. They're all transcendent. And in some sense, they're all imminent. Yeah. Is Jesus omnipresent? Yes. Yes. Ish. Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Yeah, he is. It depends which nature we're talking about, yep. right? Because the because Jesus has two natures, fully mm-hmm. God, fully man. Both natures you can talk about as being true about Jesus, the person. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus is omnipresent. He's, Jesus is with his people. Mm-hmm. Jesus is, is the ever-present Lord. Mm-hmm. But he's also located mm-hmm. in yeah. his human nature mm-hmm. in the heavens. Or when he was uh, in the womb of mm-hmm. Mary, he was located there. Yes. All right. Yeah. It, what, what is it? Is it Athanasius? It's one of the church fathers that like while he while he nursed at his mother's breast, he held the stars in place. Mm-hmm. That's right. So both are true of the mm-hmm. sun. Yeah. Uh, the spirit is never located somewhere mm-hmm. because he is omnipresent. Yeah. That doesn't mean that he doesn't do specific things or manifest or himself in specific ways. Specific, yeah. He mm-hmm. does that. But like we we don't welcome the spirit into a room that he's not in. Mm-hmm. Right. He's there. Mm-hmm. Then why is the father attributed with location on the throne? I think I think location for I, I I've never thought of it specifically that way. So this is kind of freewheeling. I just want to acknowledge. Like that. I'm just I'm I, I realize I'm just I, I know that it doesn't mean he's like they necessarily only, literally on the throne only. Right. But why why is that even given to us? Yeah, I think I, I think dot 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 uh, the, the the location on the throne is given primarily to talk about his kingship, not yeah. to talk about yeah. where he is. Yeah. Right, it's showing where he is because he's yeah. the king on a throne. In the same way that we talk about heaven, really, like oftentimes we talk about heaven in <laughs> geospatial terms, mm-hmm. like heaven is somewhere like above the clouds. Yeah, yeah. but that's not the best it's way to understand. Dimension. Yeah, it, or or what we don't know what right. it might be, but it's definitely right. not just above the clouds, floating up there. Yeah, yeah. So the, one of the main takeaways, just from talking about who the spirit is, before we talk about what he does, John Owen has been a really helpful theologian for me on this, and just one of the primary. Uh, responsibilities, tasks, but even more than that, invitations, that's probably the right category for every Christian, is communing with God, that our life is one of abiding and fellowship. And sometimes it's really easiest for to think about communing with the Father. Not easy in terms of thinking about Him as Father, but like mm-hmm. it's that's a natural relationship for us to think about. Mm-hmm. We can commune with the Son because we understand who Jesus is and we have lots of information, but we are to commune with the Holy Spirit, to to live in him, to abide in to him, walk in the to spirit. walk in yep. the spirit, to be filled with the spirit, to, to have the fruit of the spirit. That's exactly right. So this, we, we, we have no less relationship with the spirit than we have with the father and the son. Do you ever get stuck wondering how to study a Bible passage? The Courage for Life Study Bibles for Women and the Courage for Life Study Bibles for Men have over 1,400 Bible studies. That's a Bible study on every page of Bible text. Access to the Filament Bible app lets you dive even deeper. If you download the app and you scan the page number, you can open up a world of resources, including over 25,000 additional study notes, hundreds of videos, and a full audio Bible. Start discovering at Courage for Life Bible That's courageforlifebible.com for incredible study notes and an incredible study Bible. Have you ever wondered what is God's heart towards you? In this noisy world, God's heart beats hard with love and mercy. But how can God share his heart with us when he doesn't have our attention? You're invited to spend 100 days discovering the beautiful, merciful heart of God with Overflowing Mercies, a new devotional by Craig Allen Cooper. 
The Lord is not ashamed of you or quick-tempered toward your faults. Each one of your weaknesses, faults, frailties, and failures does more to arouse God's love than to stir up his anger. If you could fathom in some small way how warmly God truly feels about you, the faintest grasp of his immeasurable affection would reduce you to tearful wonder and heartfelt gratitude. As God's mercies are new every single morning, overflowing mercies will continue to be a constant well of refreshing comfort, encouragement, and strength. It's perfect for personal quiet times, family and dinner table devotions, and small groups. Let this devotional help you get intentional, stay connected to God, and continue loving others. Order your copy of Overflowing Mercies, 100 Meditations on the Tender Heart of God today at moodypublishers.com or wherever great books are sold. So let's get practical for a second. What would be the difference in the way I live? Theology is practical, Jen. Uh, I'm about to make it okay. so for all of our audience. <laughs> uh, what would be the difference in the way that JT lives if he understands that the spirit is a person versus a force? What would be a way that someone who has um, that view of the spirit as a force, how would they live differently than a person who sees spirit as person. Give me an example. A force is something that you might want to conjure or use for your own benefit. A person is somebody you want to enjoy relationship with. Okay. So for example, when I come to, uh, when I pray for someone who is sick, Mm -hmm. um, how would I pray differently for someone who is sick if I view the spirit as a force versus if I view the spirit as a person? I think you would probably only be asking the Holy Spirit to do something. Yeah, it would and, be transactional in nature. And we should ask the Holy Spirit to do something. That's mm-hmm. that's not a telltale, mm-hmm. but I'm saying you'd also want to ask, Holy Spirit, would you be present with them? Mm-hmm. Would you bring them comfort? Mm-hmm. Those are the, That's one of the main things Jesus says the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit does. Will you help them? He is mm-hmm. the paraclete. That's what mm-hmm. Jesus says. And so you're, you're praying for them personal things about the Holy Spirit, not just transactional things, transactional things. That, that, a, that an inanimate object could do. Well, and that means thanking God for the work of the Holy Spirit, yeah. praising God for the work of the Holy Spirit. So then a lot of the lopsided praying that we do is probably related to this transactional idea of the Holy Spirit. When our prayer leans most heavily toward asking or um, praying for specific outcomes, is it possible that that has to do with a lack of a personal understanding of the Spirit? Well, I, I definitely think so. Yeah. And I want to emphasize, we should ask the Holy Spirit to do things. Right. There are oh, transactions. Right, right, right. No one's saying, saying that's off the mm-hmm. table. But is, again, I'm, ta- I'm always looking for like, where's the emphasis leaned too far one direction? Right. And so we're emphasizing this abiding, the fellowship, the communion with the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. that we would be people who, as we just mentioned, walk by the Spirit, walk in step with the Spirit, live by the Spirit, are filled with the Spirit. Because the spirit is personal. So maybe an indicator that we are giving um, intellectual assent to his personhood, but not practical assent to it would be if we keep a prayer journal and we look at it and it's all asking and it's not uh, the other elements of prayer or it's almost entirely ask. Do this, do this, do this, do this. I I mean, I think part of it is how do you deny the personhood of any person? Right. I mean, because By, you objectify them and you, you make them utilitarian and make instead them a means of, to an yeah, end. that's good. Yeah. And I mean, cause the Holy spirit is a person, right? Okay. I have a follow up question. Mm-hmm. Is it wrong then to pray Jesus be near? No, I don't think so. One, because we see that almost exactly. Do you mean prayed. spirit be near? Or do you mean Jesus? No, I'm saying when people will say Jesus be near in this okay. moment. No, because we see that actual petition in scripture. Come Lord Jesus come. So mm-hmm. like one, wait, wait. That's a different thing. Is it though? I think it probably is. You think you think that the petition of at like at the end of Revelation, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come. Certainly, John is left like 
longing, hoping, needing, desiring that all things that will be restored. From thence he will come to judge the quick and the dead. Well, yes, but the judgment yeah. of Jesus is not divorced from his grace and mercy. He always draws near and, and simultaneously grace and holiness. So you would say that any prayer of come Lord Jesus would be an invitation of Jesus to draw near. I would say that any invocation of the name of Jesus is already a drawing near to Jesus. That like if we're praying to Jesus, how are we praying to Jesus except by the power of the Holy Spirit uh, and by the means of grace that he's opened so up to us? So that was my question. Is the Spirit the means by which we draw near to Jesus? Well, the spirit, or is the Spirit the one who's near and we're using the wrong name for the it? Spirit is in, uh, the Spirit is constantly bringing to the people of God in Jesus the presence of Christ. Right, that's what indwell. That's part of what indwelling is. Is that the spirit is? Um, I, I don't want to say manifesting, just because, but that the spirit is gifting to believers the presence of Christ at all times. So to say, I would say that it's uh, true to say that the presence of Christ. When we say the presence of Christ in the midst of His people, that is a gift given by the Holy Spirit. Is it? A misunderstanding. No, I think you're doing great. Am I off the reservation here, Jason? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I understand kind of both tensions, I think. Uh-huh. I think I would, uh, I, w- I don't think what we want to do is totally say that they're the same thing. I think right. we want to say they're analogous. Mm-hmm. But I think what you're trying to say is that the impulse of Christians broadly should be, come, be near. Yeah. We need your mm-hmm. presence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether that's at the end time, kind of the judgment of Christ and the consummation of all things, or whether that's... I'm walking into this tough conversation, and I know that I don't have the wisdom for it. Would you just help me to abide in you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about James? James is saying, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Mm-hmm. Right? But mm-hmm. I, I think what we're getting at here is it's important. I think one area I'd love for Christians to maybe have some more dialogue about and think about is what we're saying when we ask for the nearness of, of mm-hmm. any person of the Godhead. Mm-hmm. So we'll sing, we'll sing things or say things like... Holy Spirit, come or be present here, mm-hmm. or and I think that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. But what we want to make sure we we realize we're not saying or teaching around is as if we're somehow saying he's not here, or that he doesn't come, or he can't come unless he's invited. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. I think I think if we're if we're saying those things, what we should actually be realizing we're saying is we want to enjoy and see that you're already present here. Mm-hmm. Would you make yourself known in mm-hmm. ways that remind us of your love for us, mm-hmm. of our communion with mm-hmm. you? It's not like we can't do anything because you're not here. Mm-hmm. It's like help us in our finitude become more aware of mm-hmm. what you're already doing here. But if the spirit is described as the helper, yep. is it appropriate to ask Jesus to be our helper when we pray? Do you see what I'm getting at? Jesus is called paraclete. If I remember, I think the son is called paraclete once. Okay. Once. So it may be a distinction without a difference, but I I think that within Christian circles, groups tend to lean either. We all have our favorite member of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. And so what what do we lose if we emphasize um, Jesus as helper when the spirit is described as helper? In, is the spirit described as helper in some unique way within mm-hmm. the Trinity? And if so, should that change yes, the way we pray? For sure. Well, definitely hit some of the actions by which he helps her uniquely ascribed to him. Illumination is one of those mm-hmm. things. Spiritual empowerment is one of those mm-hmm. things. I mean, how was Jesus able to do all that he was able to do but by divine anointing, by right. power of the Holy Spirit? Right. Kyle, you know we disagree here. Uh-oh. For real? Yeah. Wait, for real? You think that Jesus did all that he was able to do because he was full of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. What about him being God? 
Well, he is God. Right. But you just said he was able to do all he did because of the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm saying that the Holy Spirit is what was empowering him to do his work. He was one of the things that was empowering him to do I'm his not, work. I, this is not a denial of the divinity of Jesus. It actually is. Jesus. No, no, This is a big deal. It's there not. is a huge theological conversation right now about this. Right. I understand. What I'm saying is that, Check, that the God-man is living the perfect life in the same way that we are called to live That's that fine. life. I can say that. Okay. I just want people to be aware of this theological conversation. Sure. There's a conversation that Jesus so empties himself of his divinity in the incarnation and that he is then given the fullness of the Holy Spirit that you now can enjoy in the same way Jesus did and do exactly what he did. No, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I am not. Yeah, I, am, I thought that's that. what you were saying. I am not of the perspective that the divine powers are eliminated or surrendered. But you, what you're saying, that what you're saying is not a good thing to think is probably building on the example in Acts, right? Like mm-hmm. basically that's what's done for the apostles is they, they, they get to be Jesus 2.0. Right. 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 Well, help me there. What's wrong with that? I think there's obviously uniqueness in the apostles' ministry. Uh-huh. I think everybody would say that. Mm-hmm. They're, this is an office that no longer exists, mm-hmm. and, and they're extending the ministry of Christ through the Spirit, which the church is still doing, certainly, mm-hmm. but we're not doing it through the office of the apostle. What I'm trying to guard against is a misunderstanding of the uniqueness of the active and passive obedience in Christ, who is the Son, who also is empowered by the Holy Spirit in his incarnation. There are some people who, who try to... They're worried that if we maximize the divinity of Christ, it seems like he didn't live a real human life. Right, right. And so, and in trying to maximize his humanity, they want to say, see, Jesus is human just like you, which is true. Therefore, you can live the exact same way Jesus did if you're empowered by the Spirit. Yeah. Now, we should live in lots of ways that Jesus did. This Mm -hmm. is not contrast, but it's also not the same thing. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a question real quick. Okay. Um. Let's just give an instance here. Okay. When Jesus walks on the water, right. is he doing it because he's God or from the, his divine nature, Ooh, he's able to let's all be Nestorians. Walk, walk, walk on the water or uh, is that the work of the Holy Spirit? Empowering him to be able to. Well, it's challenging because you got Peter walking on the water immediately afterwards, right? right? Without we, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we, well, <laughs> Without the Holy Spirit? You think Peter was indwelt by the Holy Spirit before Pentecost? Was Peter a believer uh, oh. at that point? Yeah. No. You don't... He denies Jesus three times. Well, believers deny Jesus. Not that way. I think there's a clear biblical narrative here for Peter's Peter life. You don't think Peter gets saved until after he denies Jesus? It's certainly Jesus. a question. certainly not saved. <gasps> Guys, the cross hadn't happened yet. Wait, wait. Hold on. Wait, hold on, nobody... Hold on. Wait, hold, oh, on. De- hold on. No, whoa, no, no. You forgot a whole episode we recorded. Guys... I, by, just by the way, I need you guys to know I got like 30 DMs about this, <laughs> and everybody's against you guys. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. DMs aren't real forms of communication. Yeah. Uh-huh. Twitter's not the real world. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Which so, battle do you want to have right now? What, no, the so, qu- Peter's not saved because the cross hasn't happened that's yet. That's not what I'm that's saying. That's what you said. Let's Literally, not, that's let, what you said. Let's not it's lose not the trail. Let's go back, let's <laughs> go back to the path. For the record, that's not what I said. Okay. How, so, how... How is Jesus able to walk on the water? He's able to walk on water because he is the God-man. And how is Peter able to walk on the water? He's not the God-man. Yeah, I, I honestly, I'm not sure I can say. The text says, because it doesn't. I mm-hmm. think it is an act of obedience, an act of faith, and mm-hmm. God honors those things. Yeah. I think what is happening there is the gospel writers, through all of those stories, are showing unique things that God does. For example, who hovers over the waters? God hovers over the waters. Yep. Who multiplies bread from heaven? 
God does. Mm-hmm. And Jesus then does the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so these stories are not just random stories. Sure. They're, they're, they're drawing connections They're literary uh, ways of showing these stories that you're familiar with in the Old Testament. Jesus is recapitulating the story of what God did in Israel here in Galilee or it, in Judea. And I'm I'm 100% on that front. The, the bigger question for me is, um, uh, is Jesus only recapitulating what he has already done, what God has already done in the world, uh, or what he's, uh, what he meant or intended for Israel to do, or what he intended for Adam and Eve to do, because he is yeah. coming as the yeah. perfect man. Yes, that's yes? right. Um, and so he's recapitulating uh, Adam and the story of Israel yes, for sure. Right. I would say so. Um, I guess whenever one of the presses I feel on emphasizing the role of the and spirit. recapitulating just means recapping, Re- reiterating, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. retelling. Thank you. Um, I think there are two things that, to me, uh, f- are fundamental to considering the significance of the Holy Spirit's empowerment uh, or p- operation with the Son of God, Jesus Christ, which is the baptism situation, where it's clearly a marker of anointing, right? For for Jesus or for us or both? I just want to know which one you're saying. For Jesus. Yeah, yep. Yep. for sure. Um, and then as a, uh, that there is a promise of power. Yep. Throughout the Gospels, that Jesus is telling you, uh, telling us, uh, this is coming. Uh-huh. There is a, he is clearly walking, and whether we want to call it unity with the Holy Spirit, which, mm-hmm. was cer- which is certainly true, that's not disputable, but regardless of what we want to call it, some sort of fellowship, power, yes. unity yes. with the Spirit that at this point was different than what anyone else had or was experiencing. For sure. Okay. Yeah. I affirm all of those things. Great. I, what I'm saying is, is I'm just I, I want to make sure we don't lose the uniqueness of the life of Christ. Of course, in those things, yes, he he and he alone is the God Man. Yep, fully God, fully man. Yep, yep, and the Holy Spirit is cooperative with him, right? Mm-hmm. And is shares in the one substance that is God. When was Peter saved? We're not doing this right now. <laughs> what, just just tell me when. We don't have to actually have. A conversation I have no about idea. It. Oh, you just seem to think you did a second ago. Well, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not saying that I know. I'm saying that it's that the denials are certainly not evidence that he was not saved. When was he saved, Jen? Well, I think that when he says who Jesus is, right when he says, "Get behind me, Satan." It's a great salvation story. <laughs> well, <laughs> certainly interesting. It's memorable. Well, I think you're so your definition of someone who's saved then is someone who doesn't still have issues. That's not my definition. That follow them around. I'm just saying I don't think salvation. I don't think you would call Satan saved, and he calls him Satan. Um, I'm not saying you. Don't my have answer would be that I don't think we know when when Peter's moment is. It could be when he's in the boat and when the fish are hauled over the board. When, when, I mean, do you th- when do you think it is? After the cross, when Jesus breathes out his Holy Spirit on him. But that's not in the, John 20, and then again in, at, at Pentecost. Is that the case for all? All the disciples? I actually, I kind, of, I, I don't want to say this definitively. I don't want to say definitively, but I kind of, I kind of think so. So, like when I think about their continual fumbles through their life and following Christ, they never understand it. They're always asking about power. Who's going to sit at your right hand, to your left? And after the crucifixion and resurrection, you actually see not night and day people in terms of living from imperfectly to perfectly, but you see a massive shift in their understanding of what it means to be a follower. I think the gospel writers are trying to tell us the story, not that they are following the Messiah. They think they're following a political ruler. And then they see the political ruler on the cross and realize, oh my goodness, this kingdom has an entirely different throne. We thought this throne was supposed to be in Rome or in Jerusalem, but actually real kingdom leadership is taking up a cross 
Okay, so so uh, Luke twenty two. This is before Jesus dies. I might disagree with it too. I'm just saying Jesus predicts the conversation. The we can have the conversation. Jesus predicts Peter's denial. By the way, this is Luke, a podcast about the Holy Spirit. I know, <laughs> but uh, Luke twenty two. Jesus predicting the denial of uh, of Peter. He says, "Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to, to sift, sift you, you like, like we, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your <laughs> faith will not fail. And when you have turned back." I'm not trying to strengthen oh, your brother. Guys, hold on. Back. I'm not trying strengthen your brother. Yeah, but guys, you guys are way overstating the case. You said based on a word or two. Like you guys need to deal with the text. <laughs> uh, let's go to Luke 22. <laughs> no, JT's in fight mode now. He it's is, all over. Is. Hold on. I'm not the one who's trying to fight for a case. You guys are the ones trying to nitpick over words. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Let me just say this. I don't know about your experience of salvation uh, mine mine was not oh my gosh you know what i understand that he's the king of all things like, i'm not saying that I, that's it not sounds what i'm like saying. You're tell saying tell us what you're saying okay. okay i'm not trying to say that we live some kind of perfect life or perfect understanding. No, i know you're not saying that but you're saying that, i think it's that my sanctification story is super messy but you're saying that the text doesn't give indication that their words match that of a saved person until after a certain point. I'm trying to say that I think all Old Testament believers, including somebody like Peter or John, are saved by the cross of Christ. We've said that previously. Okay. So Abraham is saved because he mm-hmm. believes upon the promises of God. It's not like he, his salvation right. is awaiting until right. the cross. Right. It is a, it's the, a forward-looking salvation. Yes, that's exactly right. I think that's also true here for Peter. I think it's also true for John and and others. Matthew. The question is: is upon upon like when do they receive regeneration and the Holy Spirit? That's the question. That and, it, and it's a question that we're going to return to one day. <laughs> I can't wait. I promise, listeners. I promise you. We will, you, I can guarantee you we'll be talking about this over lunch in twenty minutes. <laughs> but we will come back on air and we will discuss this together um, because I think that this is. You act- guys are just a bunch of bullies. No, oh, I, I know yeah. you guys are oh, trying to bully pot, yeah. pot kettle. Uh, the producers mm-hmm. are rolling their eyes back mm-hmm. there. Um, I actually think this conversation though is at the root of a lot of the charitable disagreement between us. I think we we've gotten on this a couple of times now, and I think it's actually part of the tectonic differences between there's nobody i'd rather disagree with than you kyle you know what i'm honored by that (laughs) i'm hurt okay you too jen (laughs) so the holy spirit is a person not a force um uh and the role of the holy spirit so let's just kind of let's try to go back to the uh, the work of the holy spirit so we've talked about as a person we want to begin with who he is not what he does because we don't want to be transactional with our work of the holy spirit has the most thankless job on the planet Um, (laughs) (laughs) well i'm 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 simultaneously the greatest contributor to taking us off track and the great and the only one responsible for bringing us back um so what what is the work of the holy spirit what does the holy spirit do so we talked about who he is he's third person of the trinity no less god than the father and the son co-equal what does he do so we've just said the holy spirit is god and that means that he gets to do what he wants when he wants where he wants uh he gets to do whatever whatever he deems appropriate because he's god we don't want to to overly kind of pack him into a box. But we do want to see how the Bible reveals what he's doing that's inconsistent with his personhood as the Holy Spirit. So some of his primary works are like 
writing the Bible through men. Uh, Peter talks about how uh, no prophecy of Scripture came through the imagination of men, but rather they were carried mm-hmm. along by the Holy Spirit. So, so the work of inspiration. The work of inspiration. So the text that we read is, is the work of the Father preaching the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what the Bible is. He regenerates us mm-hmm. at salvation. He comes to indwell our hearts when Jesus gives him to us after we've believed. Okay. Wipe Peter the talks, off your face. Peter talks about that at Pentecost. He says, <laughs> what must we do? Repent and believe and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. We'll come back to that thumbtack in that conversation. He helps us. more like a tent peg. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> uh, okay. He, he, I was going to say one last thing. Okay. After he regenerates us, he empowers us for godly living. So progressive sanctification, ongoing holiness, Mm -hmm. convicting us of our sin, encouraging us, being a helper and comforter. So for the purposes of the Bible study, what we've asked students to do each week as they're going through the book of Acts is to look specifically for what the Holy Spirit is doing in each mention that they find them in there. And we came up with an acronym because that's how we roll. Mm -hmm. And the acronym is RISE uh, with two eyes because we always like to have extra vowels if we can. So, But that we just combine them into one idea. So R is regeneration. Uh, I is illumination and inspiration. So in other words, in some way, either speaking the words of God or interpreting the words of God. And then S is sanctification. And so that's that ongoing work of the spirit to bring holiness into reality in the life of the believer. Yep. And then the E is um, empowerment for mm-hmm. service. I like that. Yeah, that's, that's good. good. So it's it's a little overly simplistic, but it's a good starting point. That's good. So the Holy Spirit does the work of regeneration, inspiration, well, illumination, yeah, sanctification. I think it's a good exercise to be looking in the scriptures to see specifically what the Spirit is yeah. doing. Because similarly to the way that we might read the word salvation in the New Testament and not pay attention to the different ways that that word is being used. Yes. Um, we can do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. if we, yeah. if we, Particularly if we have sort of a a narrow or stereotypical idea of what the work of the spirit looks like. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That, and, and it is so important for us to always be asking, okay, yes, God is uh, three in one, but there are unique works ascribed to unique persons yeah. in the Godhead. Yeah. So and the Holy then, spirit doesn't die at the cross. Right. Exactly. And, uh, um, and just like with the spirit, we often find ourselves ascribing things to the spirit that really belong properly to the father, the mm-hmm. son. That's right. And, we do the same with the Son and the Father. That rise is good. I like that, Jen. Yeah, I like that too. Um, okay, last question here. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does it actually look like in the life of a believer? What would be evidence of that? And what does it mean when people are like, I'm spirit-filled, or that's a spirit-filled person, or that person is filled with the Holy Spirit. What is that? Mm-hmm. I, I, there's a lot of different answers for this. Mm-hmm. Here, I would just say it's it's ongoing regular communion with mm-hmm. the holy spirit as a person yeah, as a person it's not indwelling because indwelling happens at regeneration mm-hmm. it's the believer's constant awareness of the holy spirit's presence as mm-hmm. paul would say that we are his temple and it's a recognition that that the holy spirit fills his mm-hmm. temple and so when you're filled it's a it's an awareness it's an act it's regular acts of personal interaction and relationship with god the holy spirit mm-hmm. in the life of the believer I'm trying to let my answer of this be more informed by the patterns that I'm seeing in the Bible than by sort of what I've picked up mm-hmm. from from Christian subculture through the years. And increasingly, I'm seeing the term filled with the Spirit to be, as I talked about in the story of Stephen's stoning, 
it is uh, it seems to be uh, less of the the rush of the spirit upon you and more of just the steady life walked in in communion with God. And so, in other words, in or an analogous statement to filled with the spirit would be um, loves the Lord with heart, soul, mind and strength. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think for me, when somebody's like spirit filled, I mean, okay, means they're delighting in Christ and worship. It evidently loves the mm-hmm. Lord with it, with all of their, all of their, they're being. obeying what God has said. Yeah. And they're proclaiming the yeah. name of Jesus. So I don't mean to take other aspects of it off the sure. table, but I think in, at least in my own understanding, I have underemphasized mm-hmm. the base level mm-hmm. understanding of what it means to be filled with the spirit. Almost every time in Acts, you see somebody filled with the Holy Spirit. The first thing they're doing is talking about Jesus. In yeah. really compelling ways. Yeah. yeah. So Christ-centered church, a Christ-centered person, a cross and gospel-centered person. Of course, not just in name only, but in reality, yes. mm-hmm. is a, somebody who's is on, in an ongoing relationship mm-hmm. and intimacy with God, the Holy Spirit, because only the Spirit can produce those things. And you've pointed this out multiple times, but that the Spirit is not self-referencing. And so even in the book of Acts, for example, when we see that someone is filled with the Spirit, when they speak, they don't speak of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. They speak of Christ. Yeah. J.I. Packer called that his floodlight ministry. His responsibility is to shine a floodlight upon the work of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that. Well, we covered some terrain today. Not what I we cannot did. wait for this lunch. Yeah. It's going to be gloves off. So I wish you guys could come with me to see me just trounce Kyle. (laughs) And I have to come late. So I hope when I get there, I'll already be defeated and we can just laugh. (laughs) Well, I can eat your lunch. Exactly. After JT Um, eats your lunch. Yes. (laughs) Wouldn't be the first time. For more information, you can look into the show notes in the podcast description. We'd be honored for you to leave us a podcast review on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast. You can find us online at trainingthechurch.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter by searching Knowing Faith. On our next episode, we are burrowing into Acts to discover a blanket full of bacon in Acts 10 through 11. How'd you like that? That's my favorite (laughs) episode title ever. I read it to Jeff and burst out laughing. Good. Thank you. Good, Kyle. See you next time. Grace and peace.